Welcome to podcast 2187. Enjoy the show. And don't forget to submit your blaster for inspection. I have no... Yeah. Huh? What? What? Yeah. Star Wars. Obviously. Yeah. How long has it been? Since we recorded? Yeah. Too long. Life, am I right? Like, it just happens. It does. I told him <laughs> today. I, I said, hey, life, give me a day off. And said, nope. <laughs> but on the bright side, this is what I'm going to say. I don't even care if it's true. I've just decided that somebody out there somewhere is going to be happy to hear our voices again. So there we go. It just takes one person. That's all I need. One person? One person is all I need. Well, whoever that one person is, feel free to let us know. Let us know, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, effort that goes into doing these things and, you know, finances and stuff. So just one person's all I need. (laughs) That's good. I know you're out there somewhere. Just let us know. That sounds so sad. Welcome to Podcast 2187, by the way. And I think we are still one of the only exclusive, only Star Wars podcasts out there. I honestly haven't looked in a bit. Are you sure at this point? Know. I'm just, look, you can say whatever you want until somebody sues you. That's true. Please don't sue us, though. I have no money. But the money I have goes into making this show in the first place. So please don't. I mean, even though we talk about occasionally things like Marvel or, you know, or uh, I don't think we talk Star Trek. We have done a couple jokes. Okay, yeah, but not super frequently. But overall, we try and focus exclusively on Star Wars, which for the most part is why we haven't done anything for a while besides life. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a combination of like life happened, followed up with, I mean, there's not really a whole lot that really needs to be covered right now combined with even if there was, we couldn't really do it anyway. So it just worked out. Uh, and well, here we are. Yeah, and Tim and I don't do reaction videos or reaction podcasts that much. Um, right. So you're not going to see our faces like with mouths agape going... <gasps> And and fake crying or whatever it is when when there's a new trailer. Uh, so sorry if that's what if that's what your thing is, by all means. It's just it's just not what we do. Well, because the main thing is nobody could handle seeing my face doing a reaction because like you guys know the movie I Robot, Sunny Alan Tudyk played him, right? Um, imagine that, but like with a shocked face because I'm a robot. Apparently, it's not great content. So. That would be awesome if it was like anonymous, you know, those type of people where they, <laughs> like, they do the voice, they do the reaction videos, so just them in a darkened room, <laughs> with like a with flashlight on the mask. Yeah, a voice modulated one. Whoa, that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's where it's at. Hey, 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 Mark, hey, hey, Tim, hey, hey, what's going on, Tim? Hey, something yeah. else interesting has happened since we last recorded an episode yep. of this. I'm pregnant. A third interesting thing has happened since we last recorded this, which we'll get to in a minute because we have to address the second thing that was interesting that happened. Uh, when did this happen? Why didn't you tell me? Am I the Godfather? No, you don't know. You don't know him. Oh, that's fair. It's all right. Even if I do no. my best Marlon Brando impression, like even then. Marlon Brando. I love Marlon Brando. I love that we're really? like, this is the first podcast we've done in a little bit, and we still haven't even gotten to Star Wars. <laughs> and okay, you're like, so then go. 
You're like, we're like the last, like, solely Star Wars podcast out there, basically. And so we start, and we have literal entire new series premieres and episodes to talk about. And we still haven't even touched on it yet. Go then do it. Do it, Tim. If anybody didn't notice, Bad Batch premiered. And oh, had yeah. a second episode in the same week. Oh, hell yeah. So I'm going to, and we have not talked about this at all. Like we typically try to avoid doing that uh, for, you know, saving conversations for the podcast. And that applies again here. We have not talked about this at all. No. And, and we have, we have some, so we're jumping right to it then, eh? Yeah, yeah. obviously. Hey. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So, so you and I, a long time ago, I think before Bad Batch was even announced. Right. You and I talked about what would be really cool would be a sequel to the Clone Wars that takes place immediately after, that kind of shows the aftermath of, you know, the Empire taking power, and it could feature bounty hunters and leftover characters, and it could be called the Galactic Empire, I think we said. You remember the whole conversation? Yeah, and that could be basically like an aftermath to Clone Wars. Right, which is what Bad Batch seems to be. The literal name of the first episode was Aftermath. Right. <laughs> Right, and, and and the and the beauty is is that I remember when people announced it. I don't remember how how hyped you were or not hyped you were, um, but I know there's a, a number of people that that I talked to who they just were like, okay, whatever. I'm not really all that excited. Who have turned the corner after the first two episodes? Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty excited about it. I, I loved it. I loved the the animation, uh, yeah, the Star Wars side of it, especially when it's Clone Wars style animation. So. So to me, it was like it was something I was very much looking forward to, and I don't think it I don't think it uh, it disappointed her at all, not a bit. So so you just I just because we got a few different things we can get to about this, and you touched on the animation style, so I'll just pick up with that for now. Uh, it, it's interesting to me because it's obviously Clone Wars styled uh, animation, but it is also heavily influenced with Rebels. You can tell there is a combination of the two with it but yeah, like, it's not as angular like well not not just that but it's almost like the the visuals are clone wars the actual movement animation is rebels oh I, i'd have to look at that again i didn't notice that, that that's how it strikes me and, and you know i don't know if necessarily everybody would agree but that, that's kind of my takeaway from it and it's interesting because it every once in a while and this is just me and the way i think i know this won't apply to everybody because i'm weird like this but it a couple times through the first couple episodes, it kind of took me out for just a second because I'm like, this is so weird. It's such a, like a combination of the two. And I'm like, I just, we haven't seen this before. And it's like, it, it wants to be them both at the same time. And I'm like, wait, you got to pay attention to <laughs> what's happening. Um, but it's good. It looks nice. It looks really solid. Um, I personally, I, I just, there's a part of me that just wants nothing but more Clone Wars 100%. So like, I like Rebels fine. It's just, you know, when they introduce something that has more Rebels influence to it, I'm like, yeah, this is good and all, but I just want never ending Clone Wars. That's what I want in my life. Well, you know, and along the, along the same lines, um, who is it? Uh, Matt Lanter, mm-hmm. uh, who does the voice of Anakin Skywalker in Clone Wars had said that he's been recording some projects that he can't reveal yet. Yeah, and, he basically and, said he's not done with the character yet. Right, and then there's also situations to where some of the people online, uh, Jordan Mason is one of the most notable, who mentioned that uh, he's hearing there might be movies. You know, he didn't say what style, he didn't say what they were, 
but you and I also have talked, you know, for a long time. And I think so, so is anybody else who's had any sort of wish list that, that, you know, I don't see why you just can't make movies, you know, put them out in Disney plus, put them out wherever it, it, it doesn't make sense to not, when you, especially when you have all these, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they already have everything in the hard drives, you know? Right. The, the character models are there. The planets are there. It's not like in the beginning when Clone Wars first started, and I don't know if you remember hearing this or not, but they were only allowed to do one or two new characters an episode. Right. So that's why, you know, it took them time to start building their library of people that they can use. And in this situation, you know, there's so many, like, I don't understand why we can't get, uh, what is it, Dark Disciple? Yeah. The, the final, the final, um, um, uh, Asajj Ventress story, you know, yeah. I, I and think it would Voss. be great. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't know if it's a final Quinlan Voss story though. Well, well, yeah, maybe not final. Yeah, that's true. But, but it would, it would be Voss great story. to get that. They already have some of it animated, so it would be great. And we keep bringing this up, and I will continue to keep bringing this up until it's a thing. The Cad Bane versus Boba Fett one. Yes, but part of me wonders if he's going to be in uh, in Book of Boba Fett. Think Cad Bane could be in that? I mean, he'd be kind of he? he'd be kind of ancient by then, right? Not really. What's the what's the okay, Tim? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. Your big brain. <laughs> I don't know what species it is, but what's the shelf life on the average uh, duros? duros? What's, the, the, what's the shelf life on the average duros? Oh, I'm I'm looking this stuff up. Hold on. Cat Bane could be in his 20s for all we know. And imagine, imagine a showdown. Adult Boba Fett, Cad Bane... Good, the bad, the ugly. Why I mean, look, don't, don't get me wrong. If Cad Bane is in the book of Boba Fett, I am super freaking down for that. But I just would not expect that at this point. Um, well, although I guess we, we, we might start to know kind of soon because they're pretty much wrapping book of Boba Fett now and starting on Mandalorian season three. So I, I don't know about that. I, I somebody somebody said that and I don't believe it. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I believe I believe that the book of Boba Fett has wrapped. However, um, Last of Us is about to start shooting within a month or two. Last of Us is. Yes, and that's the the video yeah. game, right? Yeah. Pascal is, is scheduled to film that before Boba Fett. Uh, I mean, I could see a scenario where they, I could see a scenario where they do them at the same time, though. I can see a scenario where they did what they did. They do what they did in season one, and have pretty much somebody else play them. Like yeah, the the like the Wayne doubles and stuff. Mm-hmm. John Wayne, John Wayne grandson. Yeah. God, I love John Wayne. I, I I've I've watched a decent amount of uh, John Wayne movies since we last spoke. A lot of westerns, Tim. I've been watching a lot of westerns, and some, oh man, they're gloriously bad. <laughs> I watched I watched one and I bought it because I was like there's no way that this movie will will last in the future. You know, it, it's it was uh Captain Comanche, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like with 
everything being what it is with, with movies going out of favor because they're offensive to a group of people, there's no way Lee Van Cleef playing, you know, Lee Van Cleef is right. No, Again, yeah. I know. Well, I know the name, and I feel like I know the face, but I don't know them two together. So, so Lee Van Cleef is a is a Western star. He was in Good and the Bad and the Ugly with Clint Eastwood. He is the basis for Cad Bane. He is the character with the hat that Cad Bane is modeled after. Mm-hmm. So he's in this movie called Captain Comanche, and he plays a um, he plays a Comanche who was working for the Union, and so he's got an outfit. And it's just offensive because they keep calling him, you know, offensive names and all that. And it's a, it's basically a white guy or Van Cleef playing, playing a, a, a Comanche. And Lee Van Cleef sings the opening credits, and he sings the end credits. And then there's a section in the middle where he takes, I don't know what drug he's on, but it's a whole like psychedelic '60s trip. And it was really bad, but I loved it. <laughs> And and you know, I, well, I find myself buying movies like that that I'm like, there's no way that ten years from now, fifteen years from now, you're going to be able to buy a physical copy of this. Yeah. You know, so unfortunately, with with street, like like right now, I'm thinking I would love to own season one and season two of Mandalorian or the final season of Clone Wars physically. It makes zero sense why you know it's already been on. Doesn't Disney want to make some extra money? Right. But either way. So I'm going to put this on the back burner because I just want to mention it, but we we can't talk about it right now because we have to stand on topic. But we haven't even talked about Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, we'll is, get to We need to do that at some point. So the question about the Duros lifespan, right? According to the Star Wars fandom website, uh... A child Duros is one to nine years. Adults or young adult, 10 to 14. Adult is 15 to 35. Middle age, 36 to 49. Old is 50 to 69. Nice. Venerable is 70 plus. Okay. So the question is, was Cad Bane that we saw, was he 20? Let me see if I can find out Cad Bane's age. Okay. Uh, oh boy! Oh yeah, that's not gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> according to this, uh, during the series Clone Wars, Cad Bane was fifty-one. So he's really old. So by the time Book of Boba Fett comes around, that's gonna be an extra what? Uh, a little more than twenty years. By the time we get to that. So it's Cabin and a Walker? I mean, it says 70 plus is venerable, so he, which means like still, you know, an option. So let's give it, let's say 25 years, 76. It's an option, but I don't think he's going to be doing a whole lot of roles on the ground in an action fight against Boba. It's passable. I mean, I mean, okay, so, so think about it from, from what somebody said. Uh, and it's going to be weird. I don't even know why this popped in my head. But if Harrison Ford plays Indiana Jones, right? Right. The age that, I don't even know how to describe this. So let's say Indiana Jones was born in 1900, right? Right. 
and Harrison Ford is 80. If he plays Indiana Jones, it's going to be a movie that takes place in the 80s, part five. Right. Or late 70s. So if we can buy, you know, and it's, it's pushing it. <laughs> it's really pushing it. But if we can buy Harrison Ford as an action star in his late 70s, 80s, or whatever, then maybe we can buy a Cad Bane who, you know. And, and even then, you had Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. You know, which is a it's Western where he's old, but he's out for revenge. And it's an it's excellent movie. movie. You know, here's something, too. With Indiana Jones, like if you're writing that, do you try to play with the decade? Like, do you have Indiana Jones walk by a Pac-Man arcade thing? Or do you try to isolate him in the middle of the Sahara Desert to remove that setting? I think I think you don't you don't focus on anything, but I also think that you focus on the tropes of you f- you focus on the movie tropes. So if in the eighties the big thing was that eighties action star, you almost do like a commando type of movie or a raw mm. deal type of movie, you know. But obviously, or even at that point in the eighties, oh wow, that's gonna be weird. So so Raiders of Lost Ark comes out, and I think what is it eighty. And so I think in it's eighty one, I think. Okay. So in the early eighties you had the knockoffs of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. So the actual genre in the early eighties is Raiders of the Lost Ark type of movies. It all comes around, I don't know. Well, I'm just because again, I'm thinking, and and we'll get back to Star Wars in a second. Uh, was this this is Lucasfilm? You know, I'm thinking that like if I had to write this movie, which no one would want, but if I did, um, you can acknowledge the era that you're in, whether he walks by a TV and Reagan's giving a speech or something like that, some sort of iconic visual of that era. Um, that's cool at the beginning as part of a setting, but. Other than that, I personally would hope that, and what I would do is, yeah, completely remove him from that thing because if you keep the the 80s setting consistent throughout, it may be fun in a way, but it is going to inherently make this feel like it's not Indiana Jones. Even with Harrison Ford and even with the the hat and all that, like that's all going to help. But if, like part of the charm of that movie is its antiquity also. And if you modernize it too much to an 80s vibe, it's just not going to quite feel right. I think that's part of the thing people, the issue people had, generally speaking, with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Not the era it was in, but this whole concept of the aliens thing was too modernized of a concept as opposed to the Holy Grail or the, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. What's it called? The, uh, thing that holds the Ten Commandments and all that. What, the Ark? The Ark of the Covenant. Thank you. I was drawing a blank. You know, these things are they're they're ancient, you know, and I understand the whole thing about the ancient aliens and all that kind of stuff, but as a concept, it was too modern. I'm not saying that's my thing, but I think that's why people took it that way. So you have to put him in a setting, acknowledge the 80s early on, but make the movie in a setting where it is either timeless classic or somewhere where it seems a little bit retro for the era. But see, what they tried to do, you know, I remember reading this in an article, and I don't know if people give it much uh, credence nowadays, but they were talking about how in the 60s, you know, late 50s, early 60s, the sort of popular pulp movie, because these are all pulps, you know, Mm -hmm. 
Raiders is is meant to evoke the old, you know, Saturday morning serials. Well, by the age of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the type of movie that people see are not pulp, you know, Saturday morning serials. They're watching, you know, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Blob. They're watching these sort of uh, Russian hysteria masked, or excuse me, communist, communist hysteria masked as science fiction horror movies. And so they kind of played into both. They did the the whole Russian, you know, Indiana Jones, communism, looking for, you know, aliens. So they, they kind of did their take on what was popular theatrically based on Indy's age. You get what I'm saying? I, yeah, I, I understand the reason for that and why you would think to do that. My thinking again with that is certain... IPs don't need to adjust to no, but it's not a bad it's not wants. a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. No, it's, not. It, it's not. It's not. But I'm just saying, I think it would have been generally received better because people had expectations for what it was going to be, and then they went in and they saw it, and they're like, "This is not what I was expecting," because it is nothing like, in certain ways, the ones before it. And I was expecting more of what came before, not a modernization change to what was before. And that's kind of true with some of the sequel trilogy with Star Wars too. Not my personal view, but there are some people who feel like this is too, uh, too dissimilar or too similar, one of the two, to what came before. Like there is a fine line you have to ride with it. And again, that's not my opinion of the sequels, but I'm saying, trying to speak for like the average, uh, or not even the average, but some of the audience reaction that you get from this stuff. And there is a fine balance you have to find. But you don't have to find that fine balance. Just make a movie, you know, because ultimately the audience is not going to be happy. Some of the audience is not going to be happy with whatever you do. So, yeah. so I don't care what the audience expected, what their expectations were, because there's always some group out there who wants what they want. Well, yeah, no, for sure. Like you have the people who, you know, for like, again, the sequels, they wanted Luke to come out and completely with literally one hand destroy the entirety of the First Order in 30 minutes and then do something else for the rest of the trilogy. You know, I get that. And that's not reasonable. And and like, again, I get all that stuff. But at the same time, and yes, you know, the people who are making these movies make the movies that they want to make and they hope people are going to like them. Again, I get that. But it just feels like uh, if you want to avoid certain situations, such as the situation with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, no matter what people think of it individually, it is collectively not seen as the better of the four movies. And I think you could have had a different scenario where you make some adjustments to that movie, and it could be seen on par equal to the first three. That's just my opinion how I look at things. But I think depending on how you approach it and what you do, that option's there. And it's just something that from a producer perspective you have to keep in mind because artistically, you make the movie you want to make. Production, you make the movie that's going to sell so you can make money so you can keep making other movies that people are going to like. In theory, they go hand in hand. You make artistically the movie that people like and then they come to see it. They don't always go hand in hand, though. It's, It's just... That's part of the whole thing about Hollywood and, and how it all works. But I'm kind of getting off point. Uh, <laughs> no, not which, really. Well, and the thing is, too, I did it again this this year where I watched every movie that was nominated for Best Picture. And, and then a couple others, like there's somebody who's nominated for, you know, uh, uh, Best Actor, like uh, Chadwick Boseman. I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which was not nominated for Best Picture. But I wanted to see him in it, so like, I watched that, too. You know, I got the the core experience of the Oscars this year, right? Yes. Um, they were 
generally speaking, good. Some I liked more than others. But generally speaking, they were good movies. Um, I was not surprised, but sorely disappointed that Nomadland won. Because it was fine as a movie. Uh, it was done really well. I get what's interesting about it. I get what was creative about it. But there were better films in that category than that was to me. Uh, and the whole thing with Chadwick Boseman, for example, I would have been, he was excellent in, in that movie. Um, he is. And there were two scenes in particular that he did. And it's, you know, sometimes you're watching somebody's performance and then they get like really emotional. They just like so into the moment, into the role that when they're done, you're just kind of sitting there and you're just like, Whoa, like that was something, you know? He had a couple moments like that in this movie. He was super, super solid. And I was convinced the entire time, like, he has to win. He just, he has to win it. The last movie I watched was The Father. And as soon as that was done, I'm like, I would be super thrilled if Chadwick Boseman got it. But holy crap, Anthony Hopkins killed it in that, too. Did you watch the Oscars? I did. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was, I, oh boy. <laughs> it was, ex like... I just can't do it anymore. It was it was painful, like like it was actually painful this time, like you know I understand people don't like him as much as whatever up and down all that kind of stuff, but this they threw out like I don't you didn't watch it did you? No. They did not show clips for most of the nominations the categories, you know like they they like you know the nominations for you know uh best actor and then they'll show clips of that actor acting right? Nope. <laughs> they didn't do that. They just like yeah. had the pre they had the presenter being like, "You're a wonderful person, and your role inspired me in this way." Blah blah blah. It's cool stuff to oh, hear, but yeah. that's not what like like you got to show us because if people and let's be honest, a lot of these movies at the Oscars they have a reputation for not being movies that people have seen, generally speaking, right? So if you're watching the Oscars, you like to get a taste or a preview of what you're looking at because there were times before I started watching all this stuff, there were times you know years ago I'd watch the Oscars and now it's. It kind of based something off of what they showed. Like if I hadn't seen that movie, I'm like, wow, but that clip, super solid performance or makeup and hair design was amazing in that or whatever. And we'd have an idea at least to go off of, but there was just nothing. I mean, they showed clips for best picture, I believe. And like best international film, I think got some clips and like one other thing, but then like, that was it. Everything else was no clips. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched the Oscars. I think what really started to turn me off to them um, was during the Weinstein oh. um, Miramax Pictures era where you could really see, you know, because as a kid, you're like, oh, I want this to win and I want that to win. And there's some things that you really like that wins. And there's some things that you don't even know what they are that win. Um, but then once you start seeing that, well, how come all the, Oscar movies come out towards the end of the year, you know, and, yeah. and then you start seeing, well, how come Miramax is winning everything? And that movie's not all that good. And then, and then it's like, you start reading where they're whining and dining and going all out to, to, you know, woo the Oscar voters. And it's like, okay, so this isn't really a, a testament to what the best picture is, even though there's obviously from, from day one been, you know, questions on whether something deserves to win. It's just, you realize it's more of a game as you get older or as you start to read things. And it's like, I'm just not interested in that anymore. Um, yeah. I, 
I like what I like. Some of the, some of the things that I like are, are will never ever win an Oscar for anything. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's fine with me. Something that my sister had told me that she heard somewhere um, was that a lot of that stuff started like like the the uh, baseline of, of all this kind of stuff kind of taken off with the Oscars uh, was around Saving Private Ryan because yeah. apparently yeah. like with Spielberg more or less refused to do like the behind the scenes campaigning whining and dining like you said uh, for the goal like he wasn't like I'm not gonna try to buy a win basically uh, for yeah. his movie. And it didn't win, which is completely atrocious because it's one of the best movies of all time. And uh, was it Shakespeare in Love, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that since that time, like that's credited apparently as like the start of this whole thing that we're talking about now. And when I was talking to you about Miramax and all that, that's the exact thing I was thinking of. That's when for me it was like, okay. Yeah. There's, you know, and I think Spielberg even won Best Director for Saving Private Ryan. Um, but he didn't win Best Picture, which is again incredibly wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, but but you know I don't know if they still do it or not. The the, the Directors Guild are the only people who are able to vote for who's the best director. The entire Academy is able to vote for uh, the best picture, and so you can see how the directors recognize their own, but then everybody else is like, "Wow, well Shakespeare in Love, Shakespeare in Love. Look at the ad campaign, Shakespeare in Love. Oh, I got a free swag bag." Shakespeare in Love, and that's what won. And I was like, okay, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, will you be in my movie that I'll write and direct, and then I'll just campaign the crap out of it to get you an Oscar? Sure, that's fine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so it's on batch. record now. Yeah. Bad batch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, the thing is, I was just about to get back, and I was, you're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, cool, great, it's on record. So I'm gonna get us back to Bad Batch, and he just beat me to it. So now it seems like I'm just tagging off of your trying all to right. stay on point. It's all right. <laughs> I, I, I think Stay I think on target. Thing... Oh come on, Tim! <laughs> I had to. I had to. We're supposed to be a one-track Star Wars show, and we're not. So I have to do that kind of stuff to compensate. For for me, the the biggest thing about the Bad Batch so far is that it is expanding on the world that we've already seen in ways you don't think about. Just little stuff, you know. Mm. Obviously, you've got the situation to where. You know, I don't read any of the books, so if this is covered in a book, I have no clue. But the idea that the that the empire is confiscating ships, right? To right. sort of ta- first and foremost, they're not stealing the ships necessarily. I, I believe they're just tagging them. They're putting ID chips on them so that whenever the ship goes, they know who it belongs to. Right. You know, and and they're conv- they're getting everybody to where look, if you want the money, we're going to trade your Republic credits for galactic credits or, or whatever. But you have to be willing to submit to the idea that you're now going to have a number. You, you know, so so everybody is being... I like the chain codes, too. Right. Everybody is being cat- uh, cataloged and... and Categorized, uh, cataloged, right. documented, all the process, which, which is like, okay, that's interesting. So this is so, sort of one of the ways how they keep order in a sense that... that if your money is used or your credits are used buying something illegal, then they know who did it. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the ways, which is one of the things that, uh, what I think is potentially scary about uh, uh, digital currency is that everything is there to see where that money has gone from. From this person to this person to this person bought the, you know, 
And and as much as I'm not doing anything illegal, I still don't want people knowing what I buy. It's not it's none of their business. So you're gonna invest in Dogecoin? I I should have. I I should have invested Dogecoin when it's so low. I just couldn't figure out the app. Oh, there's still time. Because here's the thing, because Elon Musk hosted SNL this weekend, right? And he said, some, I'm, I've been following this way too closely. He said, he made a joke, it's SNL, right? So he made a joke about how the whole Dogecoin thing is just a hustle. And then people started selling after he said that. Because he said that, even though it's a joke. And on top of that, he said something today, I, I only looked at it quickly, but he said something today about basically like Dogecoin is now like the currency of SpaceX or something like that. And he's going to yep. like make it the currency on the moon and Mars and all that kind of crap. Yep. So people have been selling this weekend. It's under a dollar still. And it's going to become like the interplanetary currency. Now's a good time to get into it, Mark. It's basically going to be Republic credits. I got money. See? Mm-hmm. It's a good time, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. I'm not I'm not actually we're not sponsored by Dogecoin. I do not have any affiliation with them. I do not have any uh professional or financial association with them at this time. If Dogecoin is interested in sponsoring this show and you're listening to this, reach out to me. Anyway. But see <laughs> So there's there's that portion of, of there's that portion of the bad batch that we talked about. And then there, there's the first episode where they're talking about how, you know, Tarkin goes to Camino, they're Yeah. Ready to keep selling you clones. And he's like, I don't know. I don't really know. We can get the conscripted Basically, people or whatever he said. Right, because his opinion is we can get cannon fodder from just normal people without paying for them. Right. You know, we have to pay for the food for the clones. So that's no different. But, you know, in this instance, it's he's just looking at it, I think, from a purely managerial accountant point of view of that it's cheaper right. to go with human cannon fodder than it is to keep paying for them to make clones. the creation of it. Right. We've already we're already in power. Now we just keep power. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's interesting because that's one of those things that people wondered how long it took like was there a transition period did it like you know how, how did the clones phase out or whatever and yeah this showed there was not really any waste of time it was like empires around okay let's go take care of the clones <laughs> like he was on top of it and that's not surprising because you figure the whole Tarkin palpatine core of people have got a lot of this figured out before they actually do it and so they just got a plan and they just boom 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 knock it out well but- and also, what they're doing really good in this is making the clones immediately the enemy. Right. They're 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 now hothead bullies. You know what I mean? And they're also even like with the audio, like they're slowly familiarizing them more with stormtroopers than we're used to. Yes. Oh yeah. They're all they're all jerks. They're all bullies. They're they're suddenly becoming more. You know. No more personalities. Always masked. Right. Always with the yep. the the voice. Of a stormtrooper, basically, you know. Yep. I mean, kind of, kind of a clone still, but you know. Uh, one of my main questions I have for you actually is around Omega, uh, because there's this whole conversation, Omega? right? There's this whole conversation about what's different about her because she is kind of like a an enhanced or altered clone, right? There's the obvious being that she is a she <laughs> for starters. Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything else? 
uh, that's different or special about her that kind of puts her in the same vein as the rest of the Bad Batch, or um, what? I'm not sure, to be honest. Like, like obviously... I mean, obviously, if if Boba was the alpha, right? Mm-hmm. Or Jango. No, Jango wasn't the alpha. Boba was the first clone, I believe. Oh, 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 I see. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, like Alpha and Omega. Gotcha. Right. So I, I would say that Boba's probably the alpha, and right. she would be obviously the Omega. So she's the last, and she's mostly an unaltered clone, except for the fact that she's just she's a female Django or a female Boba Fett. And obviously, Django and Boba aren't the same. She's not going to be the same as anybody else because it also a lot of it has to do with. You know, nature versus nurture. Oh, so the whole she's sociological not, argument there. Yeah, I mean, she's not being raised to. She's not being raised to to kill and fight. She's being raised as more of a medic, right? Right. Right. So she's being. She's more of of a nurturer in, in, in helping people. So obviously, it's a different personality. But but I still think that I think there's some scene in the trailer where she's maybe almost using one of those um, night sister looking. Arrow, you know, bow and yeah. arrows. So I think you still got you still got the Django genes in you. But I honestly think that she's sort of a setup for anything else they want to do with her in the future. I don't think. I think that within the next three years, we will see an adult Omega. Probably, I don't know what she's going to be doing, but I wouldn't be surprised if we if we don't see an adult Omega in the Book of Boba Fett. I think that's very reasonable. Um, you know, so my thing, one of the leading theories out there, and I don't know if you've heard about this or not, is that what's going to make her different is basically force sensitivity. Okay. My initial thought on that is it's, I think that gets a little tricky because that starts to, uh, they, they imply that the thing that's different about the Bad Batch, it was intentional, the differences, right? They were enhanced or altered to make them that way. It wasn't an accident. They've said that in the show. Um, it's implied the same thing is true with Omega. And if what's different about her is like force sensitivity type of stuff, then that kind of undermines the whole thing with Palpatine and Snoke and all that stuff that happened in the sequel trilogy with him trying, and Baby Yoda with, or Grogu with the, the blood, midichlorian, all that kind of stuff. Like, the entire storyline that they've been establishing with the Mandalorian and tying into the sequel trilogy. Like, why, if the Kaminoans could just do it? You know yeah, what I'm saying? But I, but I think at a certain point, though, maybe they do or they don't, but I think we're going to see the destruction of the cloners. Um, like, the in, actual... In yeah, I, like, do you think like is there gonna be like an attack on Camino or what? I don't. I don't think there's gonna be an attack on Camino other than you might possibly see people like the Bad Batch trying to rescue them. I think. I think everything with you know the cloners you know in, in Camino will be destroyed because they just want their information and you know it looks like at least by not too long after Grogu is rescued from the temple that they start working on him. Just imagine if Tarkin, or I don't think it would be, but technically it could be Vader because they have the model for him from End of Clone Wars, you know, but uh, let's just say Tarkin. Imagine if at some point in this series we have him 
commanding basically the extinction of the of the Kaminoan cloning base. And it's the clones, kind of stormtroopers, who have to go and completely destroy their home. Right. Like, I can I see that. Be, wouldn't shock me. And that's what the whole inhibitor chip or whatever does to where it's right. going to make them do exactly what they're asked. How long till we see Rex? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> I, don't I, I don't. I mean, Rex is everywhere. I don't. He's not a person that I'm that I'm needing to see. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's it's necessary for the show, but I do think it's going to be cool, and it's something I I look oh, forward sure. to. Uh, I hope it's what I would love to see is instead of they just like find him hiding somewhere or he's on a or whatever. I hope he's like that guy who has that entrance where he just like kicks butt on his way sit, coming in to save everybody else or something like that. Because look, you don't need. I, I don't I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but like you don't need him to be anything in this show. He can be whatever you want. He doesn't need to fulfill any role, really. So make him just give him a moment in an episode where he comes in, annihilates the enemy and saves the day, gives some words of wisdom and then takes off. That's all we need. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, personally, I agree with you. I'm more excited to see what Rex could potentially be in the Obi-Wan show. You know, uh, filming then, now. Yeah, I know. Then, then anything else that I need. Yeah. Or Andrew. So, so when we see him, I'll be happy. But either either way, I, I'd rather see you know, anything else. So, so like right now, <laughs> the filming theoretically that we have going on for Star Wars is the Kenobi series, the Andor series. The end of Boba Fett slash beginning of Mandalorian, theoretically, based on what people have been reporting or saying. That's really good for us. <laughs> you know, uh, like we're in that oh, waiting yeah. period where we have to wait for this stuff to actually start coming out. But that's kind of sweet. It's almost like the 2014 range before the sequels came out. Kind of, you know, um, similar scale, but just split up between different projects, you know, and it's, it's exciting. I'm really looking forward to all that and seeing how this stuff develops and what, you know, stories, storylines come out and all that. There are already a ton of pictures. If you want to look into them specifically of the Andor set and of Diego Luna himself, shore troopers, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, some cool stuff there. But in the meantime, this year, I think we got Bad Batch coming up. Um, Visions is supposed to be at some point later this year, right? And yeah. then isn't that about it? I mean, no, like I mean, Loki's gonna be on Wednesday. The droids is droids this year? No, Book of Boba's this year. Oh yeah, it's December. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's barely this year, but mostly next year. But anyway, um, and did you see? I'm sure you did. The the Disney World uh, Imagineer lightsaber. No, I don't really care. I mean, I saw it, but I was like, okay, oh, like it, we it, aren't it we aren't up. able to. Well, like we can't purchase it, but like this is literally what people have been waiting to own for like you know forty years. Yeah, but it's not a lightsaber, so it basically is. I mean, it 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 ignites on its own. It like comes out and like retracts. It's still and not. It, like, it, it's like, a piece of plastic moves. that moves. It's what? It's plastic, is it not? It's not an actual light. Well, it's, it's, like, it's LED lights with, right. I think there's, with the I piece. guess there's plastic around it. Right, so, okay. 
So it's still a massive upgrade from what we have now, and we can't purchase it yet. I'm sure it'll come out within a matter of time, but it's just cool. It's it's a step closer to look look. One thing I've learned in the past like week, just from a whole just different host of things I've uh, people I've talked to, things I've found out about research on, just all the stuff just in life, right? Impossible only means impossible because no one's figured out how to do it yet. That's it. So we're gonna get to the point eventually. I don't even know if it's in my lifetime. But we're going to get to the point eventually where this whole lightsaber thing is going to be real. I mean, imagine in the 1940s, if you told somebody, hey, your local gas station is going to have a door that when you walk up to it, it's going to open on its own. You walk through and it closes behind you. You do nothing but walk. That would be like sorcery to them, you know. And 20 years ish later, it was on it, it's it's at Walmarts and gas stations and stuff. And it is, it's almost old technology at this point. Right. So that applies to like so many things. We have no idea what we're about to discover or where we're going. We have somebody who's literally trying to establish a colony on Mars, like fully sustaining. Is it going to happen anytime soon? Not really. But there's an active plan to get there and to make that happen. That was a dream for JFK decades ago that at some point, maybe eventually that can be a reality. And there's a plan to us getting there. So... I'm just saying, like, this is cool because in and of itself, it looks neat. But what's exciting to me more is that we are finally taking steps closer to making this sort of thing more of an actual reality, which is just exciting. Not just as a fan, but just as, like, a, a member of society. It's just really cool. Did I go into that too much? <laughs> I don't know. Tim, I'm super happy for you that, that you're, you're super excited <laughs> over, just, I just, over super advanced toys. But ultimately, <laughs> I'm old. You know, there's not a lot going on. That's what I'm saying. To me, I don't see that as a super advanced toy. I see it as a sign of societal advancement. How is a piece of plastic that goes up and down with a light in the middle the sign of an advanced society? Because until now, no one could figure out how to do it. Nobody gave us, Tim. Yeah, no, people, I, no, yes. People have been trying to do that type of thing for years. And they couldn't do it effectively where it would look anything remotely cool or passable or the hilt would be too big and all this kind of stuff. They've been trying it for a long time and until now, no one could have done it yet. And now it's, it's here. I don't have a number, but it's been years. Well, sure. It could, you know, if they tried three years ago, it's years. I would feel it's safe to say at least 10. Probably Tim, I'm excited that. for you. You're just not going to be able to convince me to be excited at all oh just give me time you've said that kind of stuff before it gave me time uh, maybe <laughs> anyway if I, cut, if I can cut the heads off or limbs off of people that i dislike maybe <laughs> well just the easy clap just attach some sharps that right, never mind i don't give people ideas okay so uh bad Edge is really good off to a good start i really don't want to like go through and dissect it like i say we don't really do like reactions and stuff we just kind of no. do more opinions and all that uh, so I don't really want to go into like, too many details about stuff. But I think it's cool. I think it's got a lot of potential. Um, I, I think what's interesting about it is I want to see where it goes. Because I think as a start to a show, it was really, really solid. I think it's starting better than Clone Wars or Rebels started. Um, I yeah. think right now it's not instantly better than either of those shows got to. But I want to see where this goes to. Because it's, it's, it's ahead of the game 
from where it started. I want to see, it, does it just kind of flatline and stay here? Or does it grow and build and become epicness like the others, particularly Clone Wars did, right? That's what I'm excited to see. And this I first did. season is, what, 16 episodes? They did the first so. season, about, about 14 weeks left of this season one. We'll see if there's more. Um, there's a relatively limited time frame for them to work with for things as of right now, but they can take the same characters and evolve them uh, into the original trilogy if they wanted. So we'll see how it goes. But um, I'm excited about it. I hope everybody else is too. Um, if you have anything you would like to contribute to this conversation, our phone number is still there for text or calls or whatever, 731 Wait, is it? I think it's 731-300-2887. I thought. Let me look. Oh, boy. It's been too long. Yes, 731-300-2887. That's our number. So send us stuff. Or we have a website. We have a Twitter. We have Instagram. We have freaking everything. And if you want to know where to find us, just it's podcast 2887. I brand it all the same. So find it that way. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Mark, for being here. It's been fun, as always. I just really enjoy talking to you, even if we don't really have stuff to talk about. It's still just fun. So great being back on here with you. Great time. We'll not wait as long till the next one. In fact, I think we'll give it maybe a week before we do another one. Does that sound okay? We're going to do it next week? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's fine. <laughs> so that's the goal. We and... might do it every week for 14 weeks. You know, I think I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll talk about, but I'm sure we'll find something, right? Yep. Yeah, sounds fine. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of your day, night, weekend, wherever you listen to this. Enjoy it. <laughs>